This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Delivery. so the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello everybody and welcome to episode 158 of the Stacey West podcast. I am Ben. Gaz is with me as always. Are you well, my good man? Yeah, as well as it can be. Yeah? Um, Yeah. You? Yeah. Apart from the fact you're going to talk with John Bishop, who sounds like you're paying penance for something. <laughs> Not at all. It's, you know, it's harmless comedy. It's all fine. Um, but no, no, I'm all right. Just, humorless uh, comedy, did you say? <laughs> harmless. Harmless, Gary. Uh, harmless. You know what? There's there's no joy to be taken in shitting over everything that everybody else likes. Really? Yeah. Oh. That's my life ruined. <laughs> Um, but no, I mean, are you well? Because we didn't see each other on Tuesday night, did we? No, because you were in. I, I did actually see you, but you didn't see me. I was in the stands, uh, and you, I could see you moving about in the box. Oh, okay. So, but you didn't bother looking back. So, I was probably looking at the pitch, mate. Well, no, this was a half time. Well, did you, oh, stand, right, okay. did, did you go ahead and just shut down at half time? Yeah. yeah. Do you know what? I actually, I actually do. You know how people go at half time go and do stuff? Yeah. I can't stand that because <laughs> half time is the time when everybody goes and does stuff. Going for a drink and away at half time is the equivalent of going on holiday at half term. Yeah, that's fair, actually. Yeah, you know, I wait just because it disrupts a few people when I want to go for a, a, to, for a toilet break on 70 minutes. But it doesn't inconvenience me. And that yeah. sounds, I know, rather selfish. <laughs> uh, but it's then it works the other way because when I was in the box with you, I don't know if you remember, um, but or in fact, no, it wasn't. It was the one where I wasn't with you, and it was there. You very kindly um, let us go in as a as a group of friends. Did you come in at that night? I can't remember. No, I didn't. No, you didn't. No, that's right. Anyway, uh, so it gets to seventy minutes, and now I'm preconditioned to go to the toilet, even though in the box, yeah, it's not too hard because the toilet is literally just outside the door. Yeah. So fun fact. Well, fact, <laughs> fact, I suppose. What yeah. I no, I was um, I was going to attempt to open this week with just a string of um, the, uh, the the drinking game that uh, somebody put on social media. 
um, where I was just going to say, you know, every single one in order so that anyone that was playing along would be absolutely bladdered within like 10 minutes of the podcast starting. But uh, annoyingly, I can't find it on Twitter. So I'm not going to do that. But I know that me saying fair was one of them. So there you go. Have a shot if uh, if you're playing along with that at this point. When you said annoyingly you can't find it, is that you couldn't find it ahead of the podcast when you did some research or you couldn't find it just now as you were talking and typed it in on your phone? Like both. Genuinely both. Couldn't find it beforehand either. And I'm still scrolling through now. You'll prep for it being the drinking game podcast, but not for the actual analysis. (laughs) No, I mean, you know. Uh, just to spin it around, it's fair. So, <laughs> there you go. You know, me tool. pulling a Ben. Yeah. Not literally. Oof, dear. Uh, <laughs> I don't not. No, but yeah. um, anyway, you know, got two games to look back on. Um, first game on Saturday. Uh, we said ahead of the podcast that, or sorry, ahead of the game on the podcast, we didn't think we would get anything from it. Um proved to be the case didn't it but it was just a as you said and as uh you know as as uh, mr ray said as well it's the hope that kills you because we took you know a, a, an early lead and uh i thought we looked good for it up to a point and then unfortunately um you know i think it was a bit of a defensive lapse for both goals really wasn't it um mk sort of stopped us playing in the second half didn't they yeah, um, stopped us playing makes them sound like Wickham, um, and and they're not Wickham. Yeah, no. yeah, we we took the early lead, and you know I'm gonna have to sue Chris because he he, he managed to encroach on me after the Morecambe game as well. Um, <laughs> don't know if you saw that. We'll touch on that in a minute. Remind me of that. So yeah, it was. Yeah, I, I think it, probably the reason that both myself and and Mr Ray kind of had that hope that kills you headline mentality theme whatever you want to call it is because that's that's what happened like on the podcast last week i think i was quite honest and open in saying i thought we'd get nothing from milton Keynes. um i thought it was going to be the type of game where we, we would come under quite intense pressure thought you know we're always going to concede playing against three at the back they played three four three i thought it's, it's unlikely that we're going to break them down and i, I was i was happy not happy because i don't like losing but comfortable in the fact that we're not going to get anything from this game. Let's focus on Tuesday. And then we score. And it's just like, oh, God, here we go yeah. again. Yeah. Because yeah. at that point, you think, right, now I don't want to concede because now we're winning. And you think, I'm not going to look at the in-play table, but do and realise that, wow, you know, we could be this far away from the bottom and other games are kind of topsy-turvy and, you, oh, yeah, you know, kind of full of it and happy and all that sort of stuff. I think at one point, Morecambe were losing, weren't they? And did they win um, on the night? I can't. I, I think it was. Uh, they, no, like they they drew. I think didn't they, they. I think they got a last minute. I think was it were they playing Bolton? Bolton? Yeah, yeah. Bolton scored the Bolton last, scored in the last minute. Yeah. So one minute it's nil nil, and we're winning, and you think we're pulling away from them, and then you know, I, I don't mind doing that when we're at the top of the league. And it's easy to say that when you're at the bottom and you say, you think, you know, I don't mind it when I'm watching other teams' results, but I don't actually like it at all. Uh, <laughs> and, so, <laughs> and so we got the we got the goal and, you know, at that point you're thinking we, we could be good value here, we could be good value. And and then we weren't. Unfortunately, we lost the game and that's expected. But 
it's like I keep saying this kind of whole perception and expectation. The perception is that that wasn't a good result because we were one nil up. But had we gone there, gone two nil down, and then pulled one back and finished strongly, I think people would have felt a little differently. And of course, it meant that the Michael out crew were out in force again. And and you know, it's 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 almost like there's two different groups of people within our fan base waiting for a Saturday night. There's the we'll call them the happy clappers. And the doom and gloomers and, and whatever result it is, you know who, who you're going to see being vocal and who you're not. And there's only a handful of people that will be happy to be vocal at both. So um, good support. But, uh, yeah, just just tough, tough on it. Yeah, I mean, it was a it was just that that moment when the first goal goes in, you, you, you can immediately see like, you know, I did. Admittedly, I didn't expect it to come so quickly after half time. But I, I just thought to myself, uh, you know, I I just can't get my head round like how quickly things can turn. You know, the, how, how quickly everything turns around, and it's just they scored just before half time and just after. Yeah, yeah. You sorry, I thought you said the first goal just after half time. No, sorry, no. I was, I was saying like it was when the first goal went in, you could see it where it was going to come from, and then obviously just after half time they went ahead. Um, but like, yeah, you, you just get that. You know, you just get that sense of Christ. Here we go again. Um, but I mean, you know, there, I thought there were a couple of positives to take from the game. Obviously, you know, Marcus getting three and three was was just unex. Well, I say unexpected. We signed him for a reason, and once again, we were. Um, you know, it was a goal where the ball was put into that area. We needed somebody in that area all season. Once again, he's there and he scores. Um, and yeah, you know, I think there were a couple of things to take from it, but ultimately, yeah, you know, when you, when you lose the game like that, you you have two goals that, I mean, you said it, I think on, on Twitter that, uh, it just seems to be that there's the, the defending as a unit is, is a, a bit of an issue at the moment. And, you know, that's not pulling apart individual players because I think, you know, Regan Poole has been. I think he was voted player of the month, wasn't he, on the site? Yeah, he was, yeah. yeah, I, yeah. I, 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 I've got issues with both of their goals, uh, and I've watched them closely. If you watch the um, their first goal, mm-hmm. their boy, we've lost the ball. Everyone focused, and I, I did too in my analysis, everybody focused on the fact that, that the, the forward line or the attacking kind of players, including Liam Cullen, were too far removed from the midfielders, and that's why we lost the ball. When their lad gets the ball on the edge of the 18-yard area, he looks to shoot. When he shoots, he's got one player blocking his view to the goal. He's got two to his left who are kind of level with him in a fullback role. But there's two MK Dons players make unopposed runs into the area. Who's meant to be tracking them? I don't know. Luis Fiorini, I think, he stood on the edge of the area at the time. Um, and then the as the ball drops... So obviously Josh spoons the ball up in the air, whether it bounces just in front of him nastily, I don't know. He's made the save. As that ball drops back down into kind of a headable range, there are three Milton Keynes players in the six-yard box and one Lincoln City player. And and for me, that is criminal. Given how high the ball has, has gone up and dropped down, there is only Regan Paul in the in in the area. You've got 
looking back at the goal, you've got probably Ted Bishop, I think, stands stationary after failing to make the tackle on the edge of the 18-yard box the whole time the ball drops down. Mm. You've got two players in McGrandles and Ioma both trying to make the, the, the same run. Paul's beaten. Josh Griffiths is on his arse. I, I just, you know, for me, three players making a header in the area is, is absolutely criminal. And and it's the same, you know, I don't want to try and put negative because we've got a win to talk about in a minute, but it's the same with their second goal. Yeah, I've got no problem with their five making the run that he did. I've got no problem with their boy turning Regan Paul. I've got a problem when we've got McGrandles, Ioma and Cullen can't take the ball off a, uh, a centre-half who miscontrols it in the defensive area because that's what he does. When you watch it comes to him, he tries to do a little flick, he miscontrols it, he gets a slightly lucky bounce, but there isn't a challenge or a block. Mm. And and there's something that um, I picked up on, I won't say I picked up on because people listen to it and go, oh, you bugger. Uh, but something Pete picked up on as well in the Morecambe game, which we'll come back to, which we'll come to in a minute with the defending. Um, just, yeah... I, you can't defend like that. You can't. And I talk about XG. XG suggests that game should have been one all. Now that in itself is the positive. I, I, I'm going to be honest, saying that a positive is scoring a goal in a two-one win. Yeah. If we haven't been scoring goals, fair enough. But we have. So you know, win two-nil, win two-one. You still get the same amount of points for it. And goal difference. Okay, I take it might be might be an issue. Mm. But the positive, I think, for me, was the fact that Milton Keynes went third with that win. And it's the second time we've played them this season. And I don't think we've deserved on the balance of play mm. to lose either. We have with our own defending, but we've played MK Dons twice and we've beaten ourselves twice in those games. We haven't been beaten by a great MK Dons team. Not at all. And if that's the, if that's the bar, if that's where you need to be to be third in this table, mm. yeah, this isn't one of the strongest league ones that in years because people think it is. They look at it and they see Sheffield Wednesday and Charlton and Ipswich and Portsmouth and Sunderland. They're always one of the strongest. If that, if Milton Keynes Dons are the level that you need to be to to be in the top six, then it's an overrated division. Yeah, I think that you know that's a it, it's it's a good comment to make because in that first half um, on Saturday. I I personally think we we could have gone in you know two maybe three to the good at half time, um because MK well, were on Saturday yeah um right. if you look at some of the some of the defending from MK it was comical at times you know they were giving the ball to us in in dangerous areas you know they were doing essentially what we were doing in the early season you know they were playing it around the back and and losing it in a dangerous area and we, we couldn't capitalize on that and i know what you said there about xg you know it probably you know it was it should have finished one all but when you get uh, a chance like that um you know when, when you get the ball given to you in that area like if, if we make a mistake in that area people immediately think oh christ they're going to go on and you know we're going to have a goal against us here or you know something along those lines but for me i think there was probably two or three moments where MK gave the ball away and I was sitting there thinking bloody hell we could get something here and it, it just it was a spurn chance or you know whatever happened it, it did we didn't go in to the you know to the good at half time and I think you know um, MK came out in the second half and I I said uh, on Twitter that I thought you know they were a different um, that they, they looked a different side they looked a bit more hungry for it they looked to shut us down very quickly um, you know, like you say, they weren't 
like a Wickham. They weren't the, the most physical of, of sides. They weren't trying to bully us off the ball all that much. But I think they were able to get the tackles in and they were able to keep the ball um, and just essentially stop us getting forward um, a lot more than they did in the first half. And ultimately, that was uh, that was the downfall, I think. Mm. Interesting assessment. You don't agree, though, do you? <laughs> I, no, I do. I, I do to a degree. I think what they actually did in the second half was let us have the ball and, and say, come and beat us. And uh, yeah, look, they, they, they were a little bit snappier, maybe in the tackle. The thing they just didn't make mistakes. Um, mm. I, I kind of get what you're saying in the first half. Yeah, they, they they did look susceptible with some of their defending. Some of the moves that they made were not particularly good. The first half was very even in terms of um, shots and on target. I think it was four each. Mm. Um, so as good as we, you know, as much sorry as they kind of let us in. At the same time, we let them in, and it, it was an open game. And and you know. It was very low in terms of quality chances, but I think both teams could have scored more had they been on it. And that's probably more, I'd say to them, a testament to them, kind of a detriment to them rather, because you look at the money they've spent and the players that they've got, but actually our forward line looks very strong as well. And, you know, I I thought it was two teams probably who looked like they were mid-table teams. I don't think it looked like top three versus bottom six or whatever as it was at the time um and yeah the second half they, they sat off as i think more um i think in terms of overall possession they edged the possession in the first half but we went into a game against milton Keynes dons who, who went into a second half rather against a team that had more possession last season than barcelona and man city was what you know they'd go on about wasn't it i look at all the possession we're having yeah it's brilliant great um and and they had 44 percent in the second half so they knew i think once they scored that by defending deep, we find it hard to break teams down. We've proven it time and again. We, even with John Marquis, um, you know, it, it, we're not all of a sudden going to carve teams open. And I don't know why. Uh, I, I, I don't understand how we struggle to do it and other teams don't. I don't understand how other teams get blocks in on shots and we don't. I don't understand what the difference is. But look, let's not. I don't want to make it sound too dismal and depressing because that was the defeat. Mm. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, the top three. Yeah, you know, the, I think, like we said, it, it, the fact that we said on on Thursday last week, look, we don't expect to take anything from the game. I think, um, you know, that proved to be the case, but I, it was just the the manner of it which felt disappointing. I mean, I was happy to before the game, I was happy to write Saturday off and then say, right, you know, we'll focus on Tuesday, like you said earlier. But, um, but let's move on to Tuesday. Um, because it was nice to come away from Central Bank with three points in the back pocket, wasn't it? It was, yeah, cracking. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, it, the feeling you know of coming away with three points was not necessarily the second half performance. It was the absolute relief of coming away with three points. Yes. Um, and and whenever we, we win games, I remember when we beat Sunderland a couple of weeks ago, and yeah, I struggle then. I struggle to sleep. I'm pumped full of adrenaline. Yeah. So I'm always careful not to offer too much analysis in the, the hours afterwards. I think some content creators for other clubs are guilty of that and it, it gets quite knee jerk. Um, so I'm always very careful not to, not to put too much out. I think if I had, I might have overstated the win. Um, so I think, you know, about taking some time just to, to take it all in, yeah, it was, it was great to come away with three points. And it was, as I think 
Um, we could have argued before the game. It wasn't a must-win game. I know you think it was, but in my eyes, it wasn't. But it, as a, it was a must-not-lose game, I think, as people on Twitter, quite rightly so. It was a game that we, we couldn't lose. Mm. Uh, you see, I mean, I, I, I think... The reason that I said it was a, a must-win is it was simply because of the the league start, you know, the, the league position that we're in, and the position that Morecambe are in. I think we needed to get that distance, and I think putting in, you know, getting three points against Morecambe, like you know, it's it's obviously the cliched six-pointer, but I think that was if we'd have taken a draw from that game, it we'd still be in and around it. You know, we'd think, be relegated. Well, no. Okay, right. Sorry. I was just checking because that's my definition, really, of a must-win game. Pedantic bastard. No, I'm just asking. So it's Tuesday a must-win game against Doncaster as well. Um, well, I think given the fact that we said last week on the podcast that we needed to take six points from the next three games, I think I would probably say yes. So how many must-win games do you think we have in a season? I don't know. I mean, What's your definition of a must-win game? A game you want to win? That's 46 then. Other 46 must-win games in a season. Look, you know what I mean, because we discussed it last week. Did we? We said last we week. We never said must-win game, otherwise I'd have picked you up on it, because it is actually one of my, my pet hates. Despise people saying games in February are must-win games. Nobody's ever relegated in February. Well, they're Doncaster not. pretty much are. No, yeah, but they're not. They're, yeah, you say they pretty much are, but <laughs> now you're being pedantic. Are yes. they relegated now? Are Doncaster a League 2 team now? No. No. They're not. No, and neither are we. And if we'd lost against you Morecambe, need to take the crank so out of your back, It's not a must-win game. Sorry, the what? The crank out of your back, because it's just so easy to wind you up at the minute. I can't. It took the surgeon about four hours to put that in. <laughs> Keeps my spine together. Are you mocking my back disability now? No, I'm not. God, you sunk to a new low. <laughs> <laughs> Look, you mock my dependence on uh, getting my lunch at the ground. So I thought you were going to say wanking. <laughs> You want my dependence on locking myself away for an hour every night? <laughs> an hour, bloody hell! You've got some, ex- you've got some, um, some expectations of me, mate. I don't want, I don't have any expectations <laughs> of you. I, I'll be honest, right? This is the first time I've thought about you doing that uh, since last time we recorded, and I joked about it. I don't sit there thinking, I wonder how long Ben could go. <laughs> wonder if he does one in a sitting and then kind of leaves the light on and just saves up in between, sings himself a little tune and then goes again. Does he use um, medicinal yeah, It's, it's just blue the countdown pens? team, mate. That's all it is. What, you like Carol Vorderman? No. Ding, 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 ding. Does that get you going? <laughs> no, it does Is doesn't. that what Rachel whispers to you at night? Like she's laid there, she's in the mood, she suddenly goes, ding, 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 ding. I'll have three from the top and any other four, please, Carol. Anyway, carry on. Countdown fetish boy. I think it's just run away. Um, <laughs> I think, yeah, what were we talking about? Football? <laughs> yes. Um, but no, you know, I think um, I think from like from where I was sat, I just thought, you know, it, it felt like a game that if we'd have lost or taken a single point on, on Tuesday night, I think it probably would have put us into, not into, you know, deep trouble, but I think it wouldn't have we wouldn't have had like the discussions that we're having at the moment for obvious reasons, you know, the the whole thing about like, yeah, well, you know, we've taken three points. We put a little bit of daylight between where we are and and the relegation zone now. Um, You know, obviously the fact there are two games in hand as well. I know, I know, I know, I know games in hand aren't worth anything unless you win them, but 
it's it's putting you know a little bit of a little bit of breathing room into the, the into the mix now um but i mean let's let's talk about the actual game now because we've talked about everything around it um i think it was you know a, a bright start i think we did all right and i think uh, michael got it bang on when he was talking about it after the uh, after the game on the radio and he said you know for the f- first 25 minutes or so i don't really think there was any other team that that could have done anything else um against us i thought we were superb in that you know first i mean 25 minutes half an hour um then i think when the second goal went in probably took a foot off the pedal a little bit and then I think you were quite accurate in your description of it in your right about the second half. Um, what were your thoughts on, you know, first half performance, first half? Well, first 30 minutes, XG was 1.02 to us and 0.09 to Morecambe. So I think and that that's just up to 30 minutes. So I think that tells you everything that you need to know about the first half. Four shots on target, four shots, four shots on target, by the way, from us. So although you know, there was a perception that we blew Morecambe away, we didn't. Uh, we played well, but I still think I, there have been other games where I think we've had more of the ball and more pressure and not scored. What we did is we took the chances that came to us, and that's something we haven't been doing for a while. Mm. And, and you know, that that idea of goals good, no goals bad, was really came true in the, in the first 30 minutes. I always thought we looked a little shaky. Regan Paul gave the ball away really early on, but Morecambe were just, um, you know, they were they were they were poor. Mm. Um, they they really were in that first half. They didn't need. Uh, I can see why they're struggling uh, and we didn't need to test ourselves too much. And we didn't, um, we did have a couple of decent efforts at goal. We scored a couple of, of, of decent goals, but we weren't, you know, we weren't outstanding. And when you think that we had four shots and four on target, but two of those were goals. And one of them was the shot that was cleared by Scully that was then scored against what was a really poor team. Um, yeah, you know, it, it was a good performance to get 2-0 up. And then, as you say, I just think at 2-0, something clicked. And people talk about it being a game of two halves. And I'm not so sure because I think from 31, kind of from, from, from 31 minutes onwards, I think we were we were poor in that last 15 minutes of the first half. And again, I talk about XG, 0.09 for us. So we, we offered as much threat in those 15 minutes as Morecambe had in the first half an hour. Uh, and they they were slightly better because they got a corner. But actually, the last 15 minutes of the first half reflected, in my mind, the second half in its entirety. And I spoke to um, a friend of mine, Nick Pudsey, at half time, and I said, I, I think there's a nervousness here. And he said, do you really? I, I don't see that. I think we just had a good first half and these are really bad. But I don't know. I, I could sense it setting in on the field before the stands. And that's unusual because mm. I think in previous weeks when we've got a goal and we're 1-0 up, it's it's the supporters that that sets in first with. And then after that, it kind of transfers to the players. I felt it was the other way around. I think the players you know, realised the magnitude of the game, got 2-0 up. And then the Morecambe were just bigger and stronger. And that, I'm not going to say that concerns me, but you know, I just think the physicality... Is, Do you think there was concerned. some complacency in in things? No, 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 absolutely not. I don't think there's any complacency whatsoever. I don't think we get to two 0 and go, oh, there we go, shrug and, and the games won. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. I, I, professional footballers, I've seen it. I'm not going to say it doesn't happen. You know, we saw it at the end of the 2010-11 season, and we have seen it in some games in the past. But 
I haven't seen it as much with this team. I think um, I, I do think we sometimes struggle to complete physically. Uh, compete physically. You know, mm-hmm. we go back to Rotherham, who absolutely just outmuscled and outfought us, and quite how we drew that game one-one, I don't know. We'll look ahead to Saturday, and we know what it's going to be. It's going to be a fight, and. I look around our team and I just I still think we've got one or two players who are not up for a fight. Um, and I don't mean shy in a way, but I you know, I look at, and I'm not just picking them because they're lone players, but Morgan Whitaker, Luis Fiorini, I'm, I'm not not so sure if you start putting them up against big, ugly, nasty kind of midfielders in uh, of the Morecambe ilk. I can see, for instance, why Fiorini was dropped because I'd you know, take him out of the firing line a little bit. Mm. But I, I just think we struggle. And, and we go back to that MK Dons game where I've just said, you know, there was three MK Dons players fighting for the ball in, in the six-yard box when they scored their opener. And there was three Lincoln players outside the six-yard box. I'm thinking, if you're a fighter, where should you be? Should you be in the ring or should you be stood outside the ring? You don't see Tyson Fury stood outside the ring when he goes into his, his title fights. And, yeah. It just concerns me a little bit about the strength. And I, I think to a degree, we're, we're talking about the DMK Dons game. I think Joe Walsh coming back in changed that. I do think that we had a couple of Warriors at the back against Morecambe in the second half, which we'll come on to. Um, yeah. We lack it in the midfield. And I think Liam Bridcut is a fighter. And I don't think we've got any other central midfielder at the moment that you would say is a scrapper. And that's with the greatest respect to Conor McGrandles. But you know, in a moment, I'm going to pick something out that, Again, I, I didn't notice, but um, it's worth noting. So, okay. I mean, I, I think the the key things there that you said about you know Joe Walsh coming back. Um, first off, you know he does exist, Gary. He he played, and he he played ninety full minutes as well, which was just fantastic. Um, but you know, it, I think there was a couple of moments where he, he put in some really strong challenges, um, and I you know Regan Paul's slip in the first half or when he you know he he looked to play it back and I think he just rolled his foot over the ball rather than put his foot through it to to play it back to uh, Josh I think um that was you know a, a decent center half pairing and I think I wonder whether Michael is now thinking that Regan Poole is a first choice center back rather than a first choice right back um but alongside that I think um uh, you know I I think I, I thought McGrandles was um, he, he's getting into that mould where he's going to be, you know, the, the sort of scrappy player. And I think he's shown the fight and he's shown the the attitude. But sometimes it, it tends to come through in other places, like not necessarily flying into tackles and all the rest of it. Because I know you mentioned it um, in your, your write up after the. I think after he cleared the ball in the second half, put it over for a corner and then just turned around and started screaming at his teammates. And then obviously we saw it the other week at Sunderland when he, he went after, um, you know, went after uh, Lee Johnson and the Sunderland lad who put the challenge in on Fiorini. He's got that in him, but I think it just needs a little bit more direction. Um, but I mean, you, you can't really talk about the midfield on Tuesday without, without praising Max Sanders because he was absolutely superb all evening. Um, and I think he got your man of the match, and I think he's the leading on the site as well. Yeah, it was. I was a guest of a uh, John Bates, very kindly invited me into the Legends Lounge. He was the match sponsor, and he asked at half time who we thought man of the match was. Um, you know, who, who's in the frame, and there was five or six names come out, and by the end of the game, 
it was quite a bit of head scratching. Um, thought Sanders put in a good shift. Definitely uh, covered every blade of grass. I don't, uh, I don't agree entirely with you saying um, that Connor's beginning to get into that scrappy, scrapping kind of midfield thing because, you know, he's in. I, I don't think it's fair to say he's in probably the last three months of his time at Lincoln City. Um, and if he's not in that vein now, he, he never will be. Now, I, I actually think he's been he's been very very good since the turn of the year, as he was last year. He really came into his own, and I thought he put a, a decent shift in. Um, didn't give the ball away an awful lot, but at the same time, I don't think that he's the robust kind of put yourself in midfielder. And and, and the moment that I'm talking about is in their goal when the ball drops to uh, Diagaraga. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, on the edge of the area, he charges the ball down. As the player hits it, he turns his back, and you know if he stands there and takes the the, the ball, he, he he's turned his back so he can't see where the ball's going. If he stays facing it, he might take one in the nads, he might take one in the face. But that's the difference between a kind of a you know a bodies on the line player. Uh, and 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 one who's not, and you know, I think later on in the game, Walsh and Paul probably did do that. Maybe that's the difference between the centre half and the midfielder. I don't know, but I, you know, I don't think they should score from where they did. I don't think that somebody should strike a ball from the edge of the box, 18 yards out, when there are one, two, three, six, seven of our players in the box, and nobody even gets a touch or a deflection. Now I'm going to. Um, I, I, I understand it was a free kick, so the positioning is that a lot of our players are over on the right-hand side of the, the, the defensive box, but there are two players that are likely to get a block in, arguably three. One of them, and the best-placed one, is McGrandles. He's right in front of it. He is he is a yard and a half in front of that ball, and if somebody is going to kick a ball in front of you a yard and a half, you can block that ball if you don't turn your back, in my opinion. Um Sanders is the other one, but he's he's marking a player. I'm going to give him his due. But then Walsh and Paul, neither of those have managed to react quick enough to get across from where they were waiting for the free kick to the penalty spot. And that's the sort of thing that Michael will look at when he slows it down. He'll say, why have I got two centre-halves and my right-back have failed to move away from the defensive wall? And it's in the space of uh, you know, a couple of seconds. It's, it's four seconds from when their player... Fires the ball into the area to nod it away. But if you get up now and try and move four seconds or three seconds, in three seconds I could be out of this room and in the kitchen. So I just think we needed to be quicker. Mm. But I think that that's part of the nerves. I don't think we froze. I just think you know it's it's a new defence again because when Joe Walsh yeah. came back in last time he didn't play with Paul and you know the one thing I will say is as bad as we were in the second half and it was the worst home half of football I've seen since Christmas at least. But we did fight for it. And and, and, and when I'm saying about Connor turn, McGonald's turning his back, I'm not saying he's not a fighter. He covered every blade of grass. Mm. I'm saying is it's, that's the difference between that kind of, dare I say it, Michael Boswick type midfielder who, you know, if it hits Michael Boswick in the balls, then it hits him in the balls kind of thing. And a midfielder who is a little bit, more dare I say cultured and refined mm. um, but we did we did you know it wasn't working and the players still kept fighting but it was worrying on it after their goal because I thought after their goal 
it yeah, I mean, like it, we might crumble. Yeah, they they had one. I think they had one off the post as well, didn't they? Later on, did they hit the post? I think so. I'm sure they did. In the um, I was watching the the highlights back a little bit earlier on, um, and I think they hit the post. Um, it was either the post or a clearance very late on. That was a clear one. A clearance because do you know what I saw it and I thought it was Joe Walsh clearing off the line. Let's um, just have a look. Got the corner and, comes and, in. Oh, sorry. Yeah, it's, it, it hits there. It the it angle makes it. Yeah, the angle makes yeah. it look like it's off the post, but it hits their player. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I mean that's not at the moment that was that, that was me it was on sixty. It was about sixty two minutes, uh, sixty three minutes, and they've had an absolute nothing ball from the middle of the park, and we've 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 won the ball. Mm. And then there's a weak clearance from Paul that bounces off Stockton. And then for some reason, TJ Homer is like eight yards out. And he's, instead of just putting it into where he said, he's passed it back to, Plays it back to Griffiths. And then he, it hits the player. And it's a, it's an absolute wonder save yes. from Griffiths. He's got right across. And for me, actually, that was probably then another turning point. Because I, had they had that goal gone in, it would have been 2-2. Two, two. Yeah, I get that. But that rose the crowd because it's like, come on, do you know what I mean? What a great save. And it, sometimes a save can lift you like a goal, just like a thundering tackle can lift you like a goal. And I think there was a moment where the fans who were excellent all night would, would just, you know, I was nervous. Lots of people around me were nervous. And then that moment happens and you think, come on. You know, and then yeah, from there, I think that was a chance. And then I think their next decent chance was um, probably 10 minutes later. And, and for all, for as bad as, we talk about us being actually they weren't they they, they didn't really threaten anything mm. that we didn't hand them other yes. the goal the goal we yeah you know, it's easy to pick the fault in the goal like i've just done when you're going through it in slow motion but actually when you watch the goal for the first time in real time you probably don't pick up an obvious mistake it wasn't giving the ball away that sort of thing i mean i think um, personally i think that the obvious mistake for that came from the referee to give the free kick in the first place. I don't think. Yeah, it was terrible. Yeah, you know, I, I don't think it was a free kick from where no, I was sat. But no, yeah, you know, I think I, I just think it was a it it was a, a performance that I think the first half um, kind sorry. of. <laughs> sorry. Can you hear my dog dreaming yeah. in the background? <laughs> just a minute, Charlie. Charlie, there we go. <laughs> yeah. I think the performance in the first half kind of justified us winning that game um and i thought well the first the first half an hour at least um and then i think the crowd essentially lifted uh the players you know and, and helped carry it to the to the finish line um you know i know that it's it can sound a little bit sycophantic sometimes when players come out and say oh the fans are amazing and all that even though you know, there's been a section of the fans that booed them off at the full-time whistle, but I genuinely think that the noise on on Tuesday night um, would have spurred them on and would have really, really helped them because, like you say, everybody got behind them to the final whistle. It was fantastic to hear. Yeah, it was. It was. It was. It was nice uh, to have that kind of have that support. Definitely. Do you know what? I've just watched a free kick back, and it is never a free kick. Yeah, it, I know. It isn't. It. Walsh has the balls come in and Walsh has played the ball and the players kind of run into him and round him. It's not even there's barely contact. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was. It was great to have the um it was great to to feel that positivity. And no, it was a really, really tough game for the club. Mm. It was a tough one for them to market. Was it on iFollow? Uh yes. 
did you notice how there was no promotion about that? Lots of people asking if it was on iFollow. And I, I think, think that's... I think I saw them... I think I saw them tweet on. about it a couple of times, but it was... Late it, on. Yeah, it was like Tuesday afternoon. Yeah, because it was, I think, was it the, probably the lowest home crowd of the season? So Tuesday night, you've just lost on the Saturday. You've got two more home games coming up in a week. Your home form is, for want of a better word, crap. You know, and it's a tough sell. And even if you're a family that can afford two games in a week, three in a week, and if you're going to pick on which one you're going to pick, the Saturday because it's a full day out, and then you look at the Tuesday nights, Morecambe or Doncaster. And yeah, it's always going to be Doncaster. So it was a really tough sell. And there, there was a fear in my, for me that it was going to be this kind of damp squib. Do you know what I mean? It was going to be this quiet, people just sitting there with complete ambivalence. And it was quite the opposite. Um, quite the opposite and I was down in block two so yeah, a bit further along than I normally am now uh, and it was just brilliant when a chant or something you could feel it spread yeah all the way along and when that when you're it hasn't been like that very often and I just I just think there was a, a, a more of a, a connection than there has been at any point and you know, then at the end of the game, I mean it was obviously Maguire tried a little bit of his shit housing as he does um, and <laughs> Well, he does, and, and and then he turned and kind of g'd the fans up. Do you know what I mean? With his hands out, come on, more noise. Even though there was plenty of it, he knows he hasn't always got on well with the fans. Was the argument after the Hartlepool game? But he did that, and then at the end, John Marquis, who yeah, put put a shift in, put a Tom Hopper esque shift in because he didn't really get a lot out of the game, but he worked hard. Mm. Um, but it really meant something for me when he he deliberately walked almost into the corner of the. Um, is it the Bridge McFarland Crypto Cloud? What's it called these days? Crypto Cloud. Crypto Cloud. So he went down into the corner of the South Park end and the Sinsel Bank side, as I call it, um, and and I was applauding everybody, and I liked that. And I think I think that there was it could be a watershed moment in our home form, and it's just a pity that when you look ahead to the game that you've got coming up, it's like, oh really? It would have been better to have Doncaster on Saturday and then Wickham on the Tuesday, because. Yeah. If you're going to get any momentum and you're going to kind of build that link, now we've got somebody, we've got Anthony Scully, who everybody loves, we've got John Marquis now, and everyone will kind of going, oh, he's brilliant, oh, he's doing all the, the applauding and that, yeah, he's great. You know, and the more players you've got like that, that connection builds and that positivity builds, and there's less mm-hmm. likelihood of people getting on their backs, it would just be nice not to have the most dire football game. <laughs> um, just before we move on to that, I do want to you know, just pick up on what you said about Marquis there, because I think there was there were moments in the game where you could watch like you could watch John Marquis doing everything other than getting on the end of the ball. Like there was a ball if there was a ball coming over the top, you'd see him just start to like hang off the defender rather than run and try and attack the ball. Cause it's like he knows that if the ball's coming up and the defender's going up for a header, he's probably not going to win that ball. But you just watch and he'll just drop off the defender a little bit so that he knows that if he misses it, he's through and he's clean on goal. Um, and there was a few moments like that where you just think, that's you know, just some really, really clever off-the-ball play. Um, and, yeah, you know, I think sort of dragging defenders away from uh, away from going into tackles because he's making the space for himself and, and allowing, you know, other players to then get the space and, and thread a ball through or whatever. But, yeah, Really, really clever footballer. I'm, I'm really liking what I'm seeing from Marquis at the moment. So um, funny, isn't it? Nobody said that about Tom Hopper, and he does exactly the same. I think we did say that about Tom Hopper. 
Yeah, okay. And I say nobody, I mean, <laughs> not quite as enthused. Um, not quite as enthused. John Marquis uh, contested more aerial duels uh, than anybody else on the field, um, but he only won 30% of them. Whereas uh, Bramble and McGrandles won 60% of theirs, but contested far fewer. Um, they contested three each, so they won two of three, whereas Marquis contested 10, um, winning three. So it's interesting. And Joe Walsh uh, contested eight in 40%, so it just shows that we were aerially dominated. Interesting that Regan Paul only contested uh, two aerial duels and didn't win either of them. Funny, isn't yeah. it, from, from the way that he's been playing and uh, and the perception. Yeah. Yeah, 98 minutes as well, Joe Walsh played. I think you said 94 earlier. It's actually 98 minutes. Yeah. No, I, I, I actually said 90 full minutes. Did you? Uh, oh, yeah. I thought you were being clever and adding... Um, no, 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 no. I was saying like, no, like 90 full minutes. Um, but yeah, um, you know, it was, it, was, uh, it, was, it was good to see. And also... I've got to say, I was very, very impressed with Cohen Bramwell's finish. Like the fact that he just steamed in, like from virtually nowhere, got a clever ball played through to him, and it was a really tight angle that he finished from as well. Really good finish, really good goal. But agree uh, with you on that. Yeah, good finish. Yeah. Um, right. Shall we move on to Saturday and look ahead to that's what you've said there? It's going to be a barn burner, isn't it, guys? A what? A barn burner. It's a barn burner. A really good game. I was saying it? sarcastically. Yeah, I, I noted the tone. Um, <laughs> yeah, you, you, look, you wouldn't expect it to be great. I think there's the positives in that Morecambe have lost. Uh, not Morecambe, Wickham, sorry, have, have failed to win three games in a row. They've failed to score two games in a row. And one of the teams that beat them was Morecambe. Um, so... They're in a bad run and they go through these bad runs. There was a spell earlier in the season, albeit including two cup games where uh, they went four without a win. Uh, and bear in mind, it was it was Hartlepool knocked Wickham out of the FA Cup. Sorry, they went six without a win uh, and, and then they lost to Wick. Uh, well, they lost to Hartlepool. They do go in fits and starts. They think that they're chasing promotion. I don't personally I don't think that they're going to be one of the teams certainly not in the top two but then you can never ever bet against them over kind of in playoff games so um, yeah they've, they've got decent players like I said on Saturday people were sort of talking about oh, it's nice to have Gareth Ainsworth coming back and I said he's yeah it's, it's alright isn't it I mean he's a long while now since he was a Lincoln legend and he uh, he took Wickham from the bottom of League 2 into the Championship and no other club has taken him as manager. And for mm. me, that tells you everything you need to know, that he is a good manager for the place he's in, but I don't think there's a championship championship club he's going to be willing to go, Joe Hart, we'll take him in and we'll, we'll have that brand of football in the championship. One, because I don't think it particularly works at that level. And two, because I just don't think fans always appreciate it. Wickham love him because he's a club legend, because he's done loads of great stuff for them. Um, and they're happy with the style of play because they've been into the championship and, and you know, they attract decent players. Sam Vokes, good player at this level. Not scored the goals that everybody thought he was going to, but good player at this level. Jacobson, Grimmer, Abita, good players. Sully Kaikai was one of the better wingers that we faced last season. He's starting on the bench for them on a regular basis now. And he's one of the flair players. That 
you know, they Brandon Hanlon, I think, starts every week for them. And when he was at Gillingham, I remember looking at him thinking, Jesus Christ. And then when we were going to sign him, I did some maths around him and tried to build it up a little bit. Um, but yeah, they do well with what they've got. Um, uh, you know, I'm trying to be as positive. I don't want to be one of these football snobs that goes, you know, di- there's no place for direct football. You know, it's basically Gillingham with a manager that you like, isn't it? <laughs> but it is, isn't it? It's basically, if Gareth Ainsworth managed Gillingham, we wouldn't have hated him as much, would we? We would have gone, well, they do well what they, with what they've got. But he didn't. Steve Evans did. And he's a bellend. But Gareth <laughs> isn't. So, yeah, I, 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 you know, I, I, I think when Wickham came to Central Bank a couple of years ago, I was fuming at the end of the game because of the you know the use of the dark arts i think they were time wasting to you know to the within an inch of their lives i think it was a, a poor game to watch i don't you know you're ever going to get a you know a decent game of football out of them um but do you think we can take something um from them if we you know if we can figure them out um yeah look i Thing that you've got to say you can take something from every home game i don't think there should ever be a home game where you, you kind of say you, you can't take anything from it i think what you do with wickham is you let them have possession uh but you let them probably don't let them have that possession at the back so you're probably happy for their midfielders to have it where they can't lump it into the area uh, I mean, in, in terms of possession this season, they, they normally are 43% on average across the whole season compared to 56%. They're like a Burnley were a couple of years ago mm. in that they're very good out of possession. They work very, very hard. They like to go back to front very quickly and they don't have a lot of possession because when they get it, they lump it forward onto the head of a big man uh, and then they look to pick up the pieces. And I, I wrote for their website this week and said that they're more like Keith Alexander's Lincoln than they are John Beck's Lincoln uh, because they're not, you know, danger alley, keep the grass long, all that sort of stuff. I've got no problem with the dark arts. I have when they're doing it, obviously. Ah, oh, <laughs> I'm furious, but we did it. How many yeah, times I th- did I think we score thing. when it, Danny when... in it? When the like when the, the the sort of immediacies disappeared, it's it's like oh, all right, fair enough, isn't it? It's always that sort of a way. You know, they drew nil nil with Shrewsbury at the weekend. Shrewsbury had two shots with none on target. Wickham had twenty four with eight on target, hmm. and that they were forced into more possession. They had sixty three percent possession. Um, as opposed to 36, you know, given the, 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 the point this or the point that against Wickham. Uh, and that's the first time that they've had more possession since the 11th of December, another game that they didn't win 2-2 against Wimbledon. Um, so they, they're they not a possession side, get that. I just hope that we're getting them when they're at the, the kind of the foot of a fall. Um, but they're just the sort of team that we struggle to beat. Mm. They're strong, they're physical, they're back to front quickly. And we showed in the second half against Morecambe that when the ball was going back to front quickly, the game passed some of our players by. We've got to find a way to not just maintain possession, um, but not just to have possession rather, but to maintain it. Because if they turn the ball over deep, so if we're on the edge of the 18-yard area and they win the ball, they're going to go long. 
uh, and we've got to find a way to to fill the gap in the middle of the park that develops we've got to find a way to keep their big lads tied up and that's hopefully joe walsh and regan paul playing at, at center back um, and, and we've then got to find a way to break them down what i would say is they, they switch their formation a little bit but they do tend to play a 3-4-1-2 and they played 4-3-3 when they lost to milton Keynes. Uh, but they tend to have uh, kind of three across the back, two holding midfielders and two wide wing backs, which, yeah, they come not to get beat. It's it's what some people term as anti-football, but it works well. And those wing backs are Bitter um, and, and McCarthy, very, very good players. Uh, Jacobson and Grimm are on either side of the, the centre-back. Very, very good players as well. Um, so it's going to be... It's going to be interesting, and let's face it, we might see the Man Mountain bigger than a car park himself at Sinselbank. I quite like Akin Fenwa. Yeah, I do as that well. I res- think. Let me change that. I respect Akin Fenwa. Yeah. That's the difference. I yeah, I think he's uh, he's he's obviously done well for himself in his career, and I think he's uh, he, he sort of lives up to the um, the the image that uh, people expect, doesn't you know? Don't they? I think he's uh, yeah. he's thirty nine. He's 39. He's playing top end League One football. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I remember him at Boston United. I don't know if you remember that. Um, he was at Boston, and then he was. I think he was at. Well, he was just a journeyman when he was at Torquay, Swansea, Doncaster. But mm. I remember him coming to Northampton in about 2008, and I was writing him off then and telling people, you know, how's he still playing? He's bigger than the car park. Take the piss, take the piss, take the piss. And then here he is, 13 years later, still playing football. He doesn't score a huge amount of goals. Um, yeah, I think he's he's got 59 in 233 for, for, Wick, for Wickham. He got one last season, and he scored 19 in his last three seasons, but he's still got respect for what he's done. Yeah, 100%. So, he's played uh, in the Champions League. Has he? Yeah, he has played in the Champions League for Barry Town. <laughs> wow, okay. There we go. Did not know that. There we go. So He's so um, old. He's so old, right? He played in the UEFA Cup. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I mean, yeah, it, you know, I, I can't. You know, I don't think we're going to expect like you know El Clasico on uh, on Saturday, but uh, I'd like to hope that we can take something from the game. Um, I'm not as I'm not as down and I'm not as pessimistic about getting something out of it as I was about Saturday at MK. Um, but uh, yeah, I think like you say, it's going to be a, a game that we'll need to find a way to combat their their strategies and hopefully come away with something. So, uh, well, I don't think we will. I don't think we'll try and find a way to combat their strategies. I think we'll play our game, and I think that they they are a team that make their almost entire living out of combating the team that they're playing against. As much as they do anything, as much as they do their own patterns of play, they are. Well, that's what I say anti-football. I don't mean um, that they're the kind of against football. I don't mean they're John Beck. I mean that somebody tries to play football and they try and stop them. And I think that's what earned them promotion two years ago. And mm. I think that's what they do now. So we will need to do what we do, but we will need to do it better than we did on Tuesday. Um, and if we do, if we do that, look, you, we went to their place earlier in the year, we lost one nil from a goal that was entirely preventable, which um, has become something of a narrative of the season. But other than mm. that, 
do you know what? They weren't much better than us. We just didn't have decent attacking players. And we need one or two of our attacking players to come to the party. I know Morgan Whitaker scored the other day, but he's been he drifts in and out of games. Um, you know, we need to give more support to Scully when he runs at one of his blind alleys. We need to we need to attack from the right, for heaven's sake. You know, with the, our XG on attacks from the right on Tuesday night, and I I was mistaken. I thought that we'd done relatively well from the right. Our XG from the right was zero. Wow! Didn't, didn't create a single goal scoring opportunity uh, through an attack for a positional attack from the right hand side to bringing the ball forward and 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 a carry and a dribble and that sort of thing. Mm. <coughs> so, I did not know that. There we go. You wouldn't because you don't uh, have. <laughs> It's because I don't pay for Y Scout, Gary. I'm not going to go with you, Ben. Keep your hat on. Keep your <laughs> countdown gloves on. Keep my countdown gloves. <laughs> do countdown do gloves? Joy Division. Joy Division did oven gloves. Did you know that? Yeah, my Joy Division oven gloves. No, but uh, I tell you, actually, I won't tell you what Tenacious. I'll tell you what Tenacious D did off air because uh, it's probably not suitable for for broadcast. Um, yeah, because that's worried us in the past. Yeah, other stuff. Other news, um, Michael Appleton's obviously been nominated for January's Manager of the Month, which is something that I don't think we'd be saying. And obviously, you know, certain sections of the fan base will probably be a lot more incredulous about that than others. I think um, it told you everything you need to know about the quality of League One. No disrespect to Michael, but it's so inconsistent that you can what win three and draw mm-hmm. t- and, and lose two and be named manager of the, or, or be nominated Manager of the Month. Um, yeah. I don't expect him to win it. But it's nice to see him in some po- a positive light. Absolutely. Um, and uh, I don't really think there's been much news out of the club this week, really, has there? It's sort of Charlie been... Kendall scored again the other He night. did. Yes. Yeah, he did. Um, that was... Uh, that was. I think it's quite interesting to see people... Um, <laughs> I think Michael Horton's retweeting every time he scores or you know, every time there's some news about him, which is... You know, obviously it's it's good because he is officially our player, but it feels a bit strange because he's our player that we've not seen at the bank yet, and he's out on loan straight away. Um, but yeah, you know, one of those uh, one of those things. Um, there was something actually that I was a little bit distracted by because it came through um, while I was well, sort of since we've started recording. Um, and it's not really anything to do with Lincoln City, but I just think it's disgusting. Um, have you seen how much Peterborough are charging for their fifth round game against Man City? No. Why would I? Well, you know, it's, it does the rounds on social media. And I know no, you I, I, I don't sit on social media while recording, Ben. Bullshit. Um, so if you're a season ticket holder, um, an adult season ticket holder is £32. And if you are not a season ticket holder, the general sale price for that game is 42 quid. For a senior, it's 38 quid if you're not a season ticket holder. Under 22 is 38 quid. Under 18 is 30 quid. Knock a tenner off if you're a season ticket holder. That is disgusting. I won't be going. No. That's just bollocks, I would. I'd pay it. I'd pay it if we paid Manchester City, but I'd moan about it on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. I just, I mean that that's horrendous, and I'm you know I'm I'm glad that we've had instances where we've had big games and the club have either kept the ticket prices the same or dropped them because they know that they'll fill it. And the thing is, Peterborough know they'll fill that ground. Um, but thirty quid a ticket if you're a season ticket holder is 
just horrific. Um, but is there anything else? No, unless you want to talk any more about Peter, bro. You seem to be getting quite into it. No, I, I just saw that and I thought, you know, I wanted to. So why did get... you see it? Were you looking at social media while I was talking? Yeah, I was. Disrespectful. <laughs> so when you do it, it's because I'm boring. And when I do it, it's disrespectful. Yeah, I've got something to say. You should listen. <laughs> <laughs> Go fuck yourself. Anyway. <laughs> Sorry, isn't that what you do? Is that, the, is that cue for the countdown? Theme tune again. Bands. Yeah, a hashtag Tenacious D uh, merchandise. I always wondered why you were a fan of Tenacious D. I get it now. Tenacious D does countdown. Dun, 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 dun. On air. Oh, Tenacious is actually a nine-letter word as well. There you go. Um. <laughs> oh, God. I'm going to have nightmares <laughs> about that. Well, look, I apologise for anybody that has any sort of uh, horrific dreams, but it's all Gary's fault. Why? Um, I'm not the one that's been revealing what I bought at a Tenacious D gig. I didn't buy it. Rubbish. I just of course said that it was on sale. How did you know it was on sale? Because I saw it on the merch stand. So you went Gary. to the merch stand and you bought one? No, I went to the merch stand to buy a T-shirt and they were on Well, it. you could use the T-shirt for that, knowing you. You've got problems. If I've got problems. Rachel's got problems, bless her. Well, we know that, but... Living anyway. with a Mr. On Air himself. <laughs> anyway, we'll see you Saturday. Up the imps. Up the imps. Dirty bastard. The 90th minute and all your mates around watching the imps on iFollow. You've got your McNugget share boxes on the go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, but then you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.